It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and I've been very busy over the last few weeks. So I'm delighted to introduce you to guests from Wexford, Wicklow and Northern Ireland tonight. Firstly, I'll be talking to Lorraine O'Dwyer from gallivanting.ie who runs unique walks and workshops in North Wexford. And Lorraine and I were on a trip discovering Wicklow and had the pleasure of lunching at Kilrudgery House. So be prepared for your mouth to water when head chef Niall O'Sullivan tells you what we enjoyed that day on our visit. Then staying in Wicklow, I am in Parscourt Distillery talking to Santina Kennedy before travelling to Northern Ireland for the Invest NI Showcase where I talked to Michelle Wilson from Crawford's Rock Seaweed Company and Michael Johnston from Brew Coffee. But before we hear from our guests, a reminder that you can make contact with me by emailing me s.nunanlive.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So my first guest this evening is no stranger to the best possible taste having appeared on the programme in the past. Lorraine O'Dwyer is the founder of gallivanting.ie and runs unique walks and workshops in Wexford. I caught up with her on a discovery trip to Wicklow last month when we visited the beautiful Kilrodgery House where we also enjoyed a delicious lunch by head chef Niall O'Sullivan. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. My name is Lorraine from gallivanting.ie. I'm the folklore and foraging guide and the tour guide for Taste Wexford. Lorraine, it's great to see you again. The last time we met was either in Limerick or maybe in Enniscorthy at yeah. a festival. So it's been a while. It's been a long time. It's kind of like pre-COVID, I think, <laughs> nearly. Yeah, there was the Bee Festival in Johnstown too. Yeah, it seems like there was a big pause for a long time. But, but everything's back up and running now and Wexford is such a great county for for food, for food producers. Yes, it's amazing. Restaurants, <laughs> events, and of course, the, the amazing tours that you do that aren't restricted just to food tours. And you have, like many people, pivoted, changed, reinvented. Yes. Well, not so much reinvented yourself, but looked down to say, okay, what do I really enjoy doing in my business? Yeah. And what do I want to be doing? Yeah, I've evolved. I mean, before COVID, um, you know, the food and folklore tours that I was doing in the van... Um, you know they were great, and um, and of course the storytelling part, the folklore, the you know the the story of Ireland's food and the story of Wexford's food has always been enjoyable. But today, um, during COVID, when everything stopped, um, I had to sell my van and, um, and and start walking. So the foraging walks that I'm doing now, it's the same kind of thing. It's that food foraging and folklore as opposed to food and folklore. So, um, and um, I think during COVID, so many people were out walking and they were like what is this tree and what does this 
plant do and what does this taste like and oh maybe it's poisonous I'll leave it there so I am um, I find this whole new uh, market of people that are exploring and it's great because I get to show them things and it's so cool seeing them go oh my god you can eat that <laughs> that's amazing and you are a fabulous storyteller Thank and you have you. a wealth of knowledge whenever it comes to wild foods for example like we're here in Kilrodgery today mm-hmm. and you're bemoaning the fact <laughs> that there was lots of what was it was lying well, on I the have, ground I have my pockets filled <laughs> um, um, yeah these are sweet chestnuts these are um, edible chestnuts very important to your listeners you cannot eat conkers they are poisonous so these are a different type of chestnut because to me now they look like very small conkers they are a little bit but they always have this little white tip on the top um, and the um, the key to finding them actually is the case that they come in is like so prickly you have to wear gloves to open them up most of the time um, but these would have come in with the landlords like the people who would have been living here in Kilrudgery years ago you often find these in country houses in the gardens and things and you know maybe about you cut them open 20 minutes in the oven 20-30 minutes in the oven and they're delicious and they will be going into my Christmas stuffing oh fantastic so, yeah. if I, of course I'll probably end up eating them before that you know but uh, the, the, the idea is to cook them now freeze them and have them for your Christmas stuffing um, but yeah that doesn't always happen and one arm of your business then is working with the Taste Wexford crew yes. and you've organised a couple of days in Wicklow for people in Wexford that are involved in that food and drink community to get away out of their business and to see what they're doing in Wicklow. Well, yeah, I mean, an awful lot of people, you know, a lot of people when they're particularly small independent food producers, you know, like many small small businesses, you can get very solo focused and buried in the work almost. So sometimes it's, it's, you know, you need somebody like me to kind of give you a kick in the bum and go, come on, we're going to go and visit some people. And, um, And the whole idea with today is um, introducing some of our food producers to some of Wicklow's food producers because tourists don't see counties, they don't see county boundaries and as it is they already work with uh, with a, you know, with they, their products are sold in Wicklow and some of the Wicklow producers products are sold in Wexford so it's kind of building our network and kind of connecting it with Wicklow Naturally as well because Wicklow Naturally does an amazing job too promoting their food and you know, this, so, so Wicklow and Wexford for joining together it's a it's an opportunity uh, for perhaps in the future for tourists to tour the east coast through food which would be a lovely idea so we're only at the baby steps I'm, I'm a devil for jumping ahead of myself you know but, uh, but now, right now it's all about making friends and, uh, and it's going well so far and obviously for the tourists to learn more about drink as well as food because last yes. night we had oh, an yes. amazing visit to <laughs> Pars Court Distillery we did indeed uh, yes big thank you to Santino it was fantastic and uh, great tour and the food pairings afterwards were just delicious with the whiskey I mean I'm not a big whiskey drinker but listening to Santina talking about all the different um, the different flavours that pull out and after doing the tour it really was an education and um, yeah maybe I'm a bit fonder of whiskey now after it and I know one of the group was saying that her husband was on the phone saying oh my god you're you're totally wasted in that because she isn't a whiskey drinker and she got to taste a whiskey that was like 200 euro a yeah, bottle <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah it was definitely um, an education and it's pretty good that um, she did get to taste it although I think they continued it a little bit afterwards in the residence bar of her hotel <laughs> 
So very impressed with them being up so early for breakfast. And we should talk about the hotel, Brook well, Lodge. This is it, Brook Lodge. Absolutely amazing place. Um, and that was our kind of number one um, destination to stay in for this tour because it's, first of all, it's close to the Wexford border, but also um, Nevin is, um, you know, his, he, you know, being a f- at the forefront of the organic food movement, I suppose, over the decades here in Ireland was really important for our food producers to see, you know, what you know when when you're starting out you know you can you sometimes you might need a little bit of inspiration now i mean like i don't know if you could ever recreate brook lodge these days but what a place i mean everything and the integrity that runs through their brand to you know goes through everything it's it was a absolutely amazing place and i and um after a delicious breakfast this morning um I sitting outside watching the deer frolicking on the grass and it was like just magical place um, and we were very lucky to get a tour of the kitchens and get a tour of the uh, the pantry and see all the stuff that they forage and store and for me that I have some serious pantry envy going on now serious pantry it, it, envy it was amazing and all those fermented foods mm. and preserved foods and oh. pickled foods in humongous sized jars huge containers it just goes to show how how uh, how many people they feed every year but what I'm curious is uh, what their forager uses I mean I use a basket I, I'm wondering does she use some sort of a truck um, it's uh, it's a fantastic amount of food that they have there um, yeah so if there's ever a zombie apocalypse I think I'll be heading up there to the mountains and lock myself into their pantry yeah. and then the first stop we had this morning is a destination that you go to very mm. often because it is literally just a hop yes. over the Wexford border to yeah. this place in Wicklow the Tinnahealy farm shop um, it is it's a really it, it's one of my favourite places to bring people I've brought people there on tours many times but also it's um, just a personal place I love going up there um, it's so atmospheric it's just there's so much stuff everywhere all these antiques everywhere every time it's, every time I go up there it's changed again I think the uh, Philip and Rebecca the the people who, who set it up and run it it's an incredible story how it went from an honesty box to this wonderful farm shop with this children's area an indoor beach up in the middle of the Wicklow Hills you know um, and again you know Philip's Philip was telling us stories this morning about learning to cook jam and learning how to bake bread and for an Irish farmer you know fair play to him you know um, but the food up there is so good and while it might be a little bit out of the way for, for, for some people oh my god the landscape it's worth a drive I think um, because you're right in the middle of Braveheart country where all that was filmed so absolutely incredible that the whole rolling hills of Ireland you know it's just beautiful up there so um, but they do a fantastic job promoting local producers up there as well and um, they're just a really supportive lovely couple with an incredible venue and amazing food so what's not not to love I really love the dynamic between the two of them as a couple and Rebecca telling the story about during lockdown whenever she was making the bread and then saying to Philip one morning you can read can't you well here's the recipe and the and the method so read it and now he bakes bread he bakes bread yeah and it was good bread it too it was fantastic yeah, bread yeah. yeah lovely brown bread from oh. her mother's recipe yeah with his own jam on top um, so yeah no they do uh, I know I think I'd like them to adopt me um, <laughs> and I'll just stay there eating bread and jam forever <laughs> and his quiche his very very impressive quiche as well so um, um, yeah that was I 
think it was a jam and quiche were the first two things he learned to cook. So uh, ah, it's a great place and it's just so welcoming, you know, because you have that whole... I suppose, you know, one of the things like, you know, when you visit a lot of food destinations, foodie destinations like here, Kilruddery, um, it's so big and, you know, you very rarely get to meet any of the, 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 the staff, the gardeners or the chefs or whatever, but they're, they're there every single day. So you can talk to them, you walk in and you can sit down, have some lunch, go into their shop, buy a few bits and talk to them. And they are so passionate about everything. It's just lovely. But yeah, I think I want to be adopted by them. <laughs> and we were very lucky on our arrival here at Kilrodery to get a tour of the gardens with the chef yes, Niall. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah, I mean these gardens uh, are just amazing. I, I am very impressed with how they have used the space even down to the chickens here around us keeping stopping people from picking the apples by penning the chickens in under the trees so the chickens don't get out to eat the vegetables and the hen or the, the flowers it's very clever the use of space here is fantastic and of course they've got so many amazing things growing here and delighted to hear that they're working with foraging guides as well because there's so much food just growing here anyway aside from just planting it it's just wild figs sweet chestnuts loads and Niall's making his lunch now which I'm looking forward to did you go for the risotto I went for the risotto did you go for the beef I went for the beef fight (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah well uh, for your listeners it is a little muggy and cold and wet today I think a beef pie now it's beef pie weather (laughs) well look it's lovely to talk to you we'll go and have our lunch now yes yes I'm starving you might just tell us about the lunch you did today the fabulous lunch yeah so we had some being on a farm always make sure we got some nice wholesome you know hearty meals so we, we do pies make our own pastry in the, in the restaurant and then we just kind of keep it seasonal so at the moment it's a short rib pie with some stout and thyme and we serve that with a little bit of uh, like lightly pickled red cabbage from the farm and some of our wild horseradish cream and then just use some of the herbs from the garden in the salad uh, and then we served that with a little bit of uh, Villagio on the side. And then also we had some, the first of the juice and chokes. So we made a risotto with some juice and chokes, finished it then with some roast artichokes and made a little set mushroom cream. So we had a clutter of seps and balettes this year. So we, we dried them out, made sep oils and uh, some sep powders. Finished that with some cavolo nero and some smoked almonds. And uh, yeah, that was it. And tell us about the dessert then as well, because it was fabulous. Yeah, so... We had with some sorbet from apples from the from the orchard, and then we made some yuzu curd, which is like a Japanese uh, citrus. Some wood sorrel from the garden picked, and then a little natural yogurt mousse, and then we made a little soil out of made it like a milk powder soil, caramelized some white chocolate, and then mix those together. So you get a lovely kind of sweet and sour, salty bitter. So the 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 soil's finished with a bit of malt and salt, and you get a lovely kind of salty kind of note off the, the caramelised white chocolate as well so the whole thing gives you a nice kind of light and fresh dessert put a little bit of hit off it and if you had to choose between the two mains which one would be your favourite I'd love the Irish jokes when they come around because they only use them certain times of year so it's one of the most delicious vegetables there is absolutely so whenever they're in season always artichokes I'm surprised I thought you would have said the pie oh no I love artichokes <laughs> more than anything they're more than delicious one of my they're amazing so we're in the shop there we sell them and no one ever buys them so we're going to come up with little packs on how to use them they don't them. know how to use them yeah, yeah. so yeah. we're going we're gonna to do like a little soup kit and it'll give you a little sample so you know what it should taste like at the end brilliant because they just don't sell but they're like amazing amazing You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM.
Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Lorraine O'Dwyer, founder of Gallivanting.ie and Kilroderie's head chef Niall O'Sullivan shared what Lorraine and I enjoyed for lunch that day which was absolutely first class. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed that you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Still to come on the programme tonight, I travel to Northern Ireland to the Invest NI showcase event where I met Michelle Wilson from Crawford's Rock Seaweed Company and Michael Johnston from Brew Coffee. Next though, we're staying in Wicklow to meet Santina Kennedy who is the food and beverage specialist at Powers Court Distillery. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Santina, it's great to be here at the Powers Court Distillery, which has a lovely history to it. You have a personal connection as well, but before you tell us about that, tell us about the distillery. I will, and so lovely to welcome you here, Sharon. I'm actually really delighted um, to have you, and I know we've talked about it so many times, so it's lovely to have you here in person. Um, The distillery does have a beautiful long history, but I suppose in terms of distilling, this beautiful old building was extended and refurbished, um, and in 2018 we opened a distillery here, and then in 2019 we opened a visitor centre. Um, as you see, and you can come into the beautiful visitor centre this evening, this lovely old stone building. And this stone building was the mill house on Power Square Estate, so it's lovely to bring literally new spirit back into it. Um, Power Scourt itself, it was you know, a very farming estate and very focused on farming. And as I was growing up here, there were lots of surrounded by barley fields. So again, it's lovely to see the barley fields now being used to make whiskey. And of course, the beautiful waterfall on site. The water comes from the waterfall that makes our whiskey here. So it's very, very special. I can't believe it's only four years old. I know it doesn't have it has a lovely sense of um, of history and time and and I think it's because the building itself is here since the 1700s. So when you walk in, it's so cosy and it has a love. I, I do think it has a lovely feeling about it. Um, as you said earlier, I do have a lovely family history here. My dad's family have worked here for nearly 250 years, so I just love that connection to it as well. And as a child, I spent a lot of time playing on Paris Gord Estate, so I just feel like I've I've come full circle and and it's to be working in a place so close to my heart. What a playground to have whenever you were a when child. The, the children of Enniscary were very lucky and to be fair the, the people of Enniscary are very lucky now you know the most of the estate is open to the public for lovely walks. The gardens are third best gardens in the world after um, Hampton Court and Palace of Versailles so very high accolade there and there you can get season tickets to the gardens so it's just a pleasure to be down there any time of the year. Well, let's talk about the whiskey because if the distillery only opened four years ago, I thought it took longer for whiskey to distill. Absolutely. And we were very lucky in that our founding master distiller, Noel Sweeney, um, came from Cooley Distillery with his long history and uh, prestigious history of distilling whiskey. And when he came here, he brought his age stock with him, the very best of his age stock. And we sell that whiskey now under the Fercullen name. Um, so Fercullen was the ancient name for Paris Court, um, which not a lot of people know. Um, so it is a lovely, it, it kind of connects us back to our past. Um, Fercullen meaning men of the Wicklow Mountains. And as I look around the, the visitor area there, you can see lots of different 
ages of whiskey and different colours so what's the difference between them all? Well the difference between them all we do have a fine selection now Um, so we have our our new master distiller uh, Paul Corbett is here with us now and we have our head of whiskey John Cashman and the two of them bring incredible whiskey experience with them so John would be very much involved in finishing the whiskies and uh, working on blends so for example we have a lovely um, we have a lovely series based on the estate which really focuses on the history of the estate so the first one in that series was called the mill house and the second one is called the for Cullen gardens named after the italian gardens so um and and the next one will, will have to be revealed uh, which part of the estate will be celebrated in the next one but all of those whiskies will be finished would have different types of finishes in them so for example the italian gardens is finished in an amarone cask um the distillery select series that's something that john has been working on with a local producer the wickler brewery so in a really interesting story the Wickler Brewery use our age for Cullen casks, used casks to age their stout. And then John has taken back those stout casks to age our whiskey. So we have a stout finish on one of our whiskies. Wow. So yeah, really lovely connection there with another great local producer. And you're great for collaboration, I have to say, because in the, the cafe area, you've lots of different cheeses, pâtés, all sourced locally. Absolutely. That's something I'm really passionate about. And that's my main role here, actually, is choosing Irish foods that work really well with Irish whiskies. Um, I love that we can celebrate Irish drink, not just as a drink, but with our local food, um, because I don't think that we celebrate our food culture enough and the fine quality, as you know, of, uh, you know, of the food producers that you deal with the amazing quality of food that we have, but also that we're celebrating Irish hospitality and that intersection of crack culture, hospitality, food, drink. I I love that that's brought to the table together rather than just focusing on our drink culture that maybe we're more known for. Um, And I've always felt very passionate about Irish food and using Irish food. And, um, you know, I just think we have a great bounty. And if there is an excellent Irish alternative to a typical ingredient, why would we not use it? Um, I'm also the coordinator for Wicklow Naturally, which is Wicklow's food and drink network. And I just absolutely love the quality of produce we have in Wicklow we have over 100 members and it's great to be able to bring some of their produce, the pâtés, the cheeses, the honey, you know, um, to, to the plate to celebrate with whiskey. But also the cocktail ingredients. You know, we have super cocktail ingredients like Kilmullen Farm apple juice that's so tart. It makes a great whiskey sour with local eggs. You know, um, Ollie's honey that we have from the uh, Paris Gort um, summer blossom honey from the orchard next door. So we use Ollie's honey both in the food pairings and some of the hot toddies and things like that. So we have McCabe's coffee and we use their coffee in our Irish coffees. And then we have another um, great producer, Brady's Coffee, and they uh, age their coffee in whiskey barrels. So if you've got a driver and and, um, and somebody here who wants to imbibe, well, then they can uh, you can have an alcoholic Irish coffee and an alcoholic Irish coffee um you know so there's just it's just great options to use local produce and a great platform for them and you're also supporting other drinks producers because I noticed the the strawberry wine and also the Valencia vermouth is there also in yeah. the shop I'm just I, I love I'm really curious about other um, Irish drinks producers because you know we're, we're probably known for a couple of drinks but actually the variety is huge out there and the innovation is huge um, so we have a local wine producer Wicklow Way Wines they're Monair range which Monair means meadow and they're using no grapes 
just um, strawberries, blackberries or raspberries. So, I mean, they're just a fantastic ingredient for, uh, say, a bramble, a raspberry bramble using local Conroy's raspberries or Hanlon Herbs mint. You know, um, we can do like a lovely Irish coffee, as I said, with the local coffee. But then also just kind of looking around the island of Ireland, I, I, I just think a Manhattan with the Valencia Island vermouth, our for Cullen whiskey and um, the bitters then from somewhere like Bera bitters or off the cuff bitters that's all it's a complete Irish drink and why would we why would we look elsewhere absolutely and look you know I grew up in the north not that far away from Bush Mills distillery and that was a huge visitor experience even back in the 80s whenever I was just a child so you have this visitor experience here now just talk us through what a visitor can expect when they walk through the doors well, first of all, when the visitor walks through the doors, we hope they'll be wowed by Powers Court Avenue, the beautiful beach-lined avenue, and then the gardens are outside and the beautiful historic house and the garden centre. But we really want to bring them to the distillery and see what goes on here because I think distilling is such an important part of Irish history. And they're going to walk into this beautiful stone building and that's been so uh, immaculately restored and, you know, the lovely oak and copper finishes everywhere. So people can come and they can have a look around the building, they can come and have a whiskey tasting. But what we really want to encourages that they do a whiskey tour so they'll come along and they'll have a tour of our uh, fully operational distillery and they'll also see the maturation warehouse and that's one of very few distilleries in Ireland that actually has a maturation warehouse on site and what is that? So that's where, that's where the magic happens. So I sort of see that the science of, of distilling goes on in the distillery part, but the magic happens uh, in ageing in the barrels. And when you see people like Paul and John choosing the barrels that they're going to age the whiskey in and how long they're going to age it for, and then the whiskey that evaporates is called the angel share. So when you walk in there, you're just getting this wonderful waft of oak and whiskey maturing. It's just, it's, it's, it's a feast of the senses over there. Um, so, and that's, it's, that's quite rare actually to have a maturation warehouse on site and then people will come back into the building and they will have either a whiskey tasting where they'll will our tour guides will talk them through various whiskies and they get to try them and try the different I mean because there there's so much to discover in whiskey and so many different flavors and so much uh, to delight the palate literally um, and then or then you could do the whiskey and food pairing tour where you'll get to try those whiskies but you will have them with different local foods and see why they work with local foods and why Irish foods are so special with Irish whiskey do you think because the distillery is quite young you were able to kind of really look at that visitor experience and set it up really well from day one as opposed to maybe somebody like Bush Mills as well established it's very old so for them to put that visitor experience in there was a lot more work involved in it I would imagine yeah. oh, well I, I think the great thing about Paris Court is it's such a fantastic tourism destination anyway and the other thing is that whiskey tourism in itself is really taking off um, and we have such a beautiful location you really want to share it with people you know this is not something to be locked away and even the, the, you know, the handmade copper stills downstairs which will get a glimpse at shortly I can't wait to show you but they're just so beautiful you know and, and it's lovely to see people stopping and taking photographs there because they are really special um so I think we have everything here to delight a, a, a visitor really and I'm really really proud every time somebody walks in here to see it um but I suppose in, in terms of um setting it up as I say the the, the 
the tours the tours were already coming to Paris Court so I suppose we have that base the building itself is so beautiful and then the visitor experience I suppose has been a little bit of trial and error you know first of all you just open what do people want and then we discover what they want and you're trying to always meet their expectations all the time and exceed their expectations um, and then COVID hit very shortly after the visitor centre opened so we switched a lot of our visitor experience to an online experience where we were doing uh, whiskey tastings and food and whiskey tastings online and we switched we had a hamper with Irish um, food in it and our, the little uh, trilogy pack of Irish whiskies and we'd send those out and people would log in online and actually even through that you could get a real taste of what, what are people looking for but there was a sense of excitement about them coming to actually visit and lots of people who have done those online tastings have still their curiosity has been enough to come here and I think there is enough in Paris Court really to keep people entertained. And you've had a lot of um, very well-known visitors and TV crews and very prestigious chefs have come to visit the site as well. Well, this year is extra special, especially for a foodie like me, and I'm sure like yourself, um, just following on from Food on the Edge, we're absolutely delighted to host some of the delegates from Food on the Edge um, to come to the distillery. And it was a little bit daunting at first, actually, because these are people that you really, really respect internationally from the Fuji world. You know, the things that they're doing in sustainability and um, their palate, their sophisticated palate, their, their way of writing about food. And But then you realise, well, actually, when they come here, you know, we actually do have it all. We have, we have beautiful locations for photographs. We have lots to write about. But ultimately, I'm really proud of the whiskey that we serve and the food that we serve with it. And I really hope that they've enjoyed it and, and you know, we'll tell everybody about it because I do think it's something special and it's great to have that international visitor coming that will go back home and, and spread the word about it no better way to to market yourself and get it. the brand name out there out there yeah, we really do want them. It's it's the word of mouth, really. That's what we really want. We really want people to have a great time here and to want to come back and to want to bring their friends back, you know? Well, listen, it's been lovely to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me today. I was delighted to finally take you up on your invitation to visit and continued success. My pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break I was talking to Santina Kennedy who is the food and beverage specialist at Paris Court Distillery. Earlier on in the programme we heard from Lorraine O'Dwyer, founder of gallivanting.ie. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed all of that you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am and the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. Now our final interviews tonight are with two producers from Northern Ireland. I met Michelle Wilson from Crawford's Rock Seaweed Company and Michael Johnston from Brew Coffee at a recent showcase event hosted by Invest Northern Ireland. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Michael, it's lovely to meet you here in Northern Ireland and you have a really fascinating story whenever it comes to, to brew coffee. Tell me how it all started. Uh, brew coffee really was from my retail background. We were one of the first uh, retailers to bring Tim Hortons, uh, the Canadian coffee brand, into Northern Ireland in conjunction with 
local supply chain and cuisine to France. Uh, I went to Canada and fell in love with coffee. I probably never drunk coffee until till then, which was in around 2007. And uh, when we came home, we had a very successful relationship with Tim Hortons, and then they dropped out of the Northern Ireland market. And we found it really hard to replace that, that sort of passion for coffee. So we ended up setting up Bro and roasting our own, and uh, we, we started then, you know, all our retailers had asked us where we got it, and we were servicing our own three sites at that stage. And now we've, you know, we have a few retailers on board, and the coffee world has changed dramatically since then. And people have moved into lighter roasted coffee. There's more, you know, it's not just a, it's probably went like red wine in some ways, where there's a there's a whole broad church of of coffees out there. So. We have the technology now and we've developed along the, to create all these different blends and we've real good supply chain and yeah, we're, we're happily roasting. So tell me about where you get the actual beans from. Oh, we, we have partnerships with like uh, large supply chain, like inter-American and stuff and we source from all over the world and a lot of the stuff that they're there doing, they're looking after a lot of the quality issues before it gets to us, you know, and they're B, BRC approved, which is probably something we aspire to. And uh, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors too in the coffee world about, you know, different stories behind where the beans come and the farms and the, and, and some of it, some of it maybe is over. You know, some people just want a good cup of coffee. You know, you know they don't need the whole background, but it's 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 very important to us that the quality that we are getting in passes through into the cup. And we're one of the, the few roasting companies that used a Loring roaster in in, in Northern Ireland and Ireland. At the start, we we're probably the first one to have one, and it's a very efficient roasting technique. Since then, now we've added a, a larger Geeson roaster, and with aspirations to to keep adding to the range and give, which gives us. Uh, support and backup, you know. So, do you blend different beans from different areas to, to create a very unique and distinctive flavour? Well, our house blend that, that uh, won the Great Taste last year, it it it, it was uh, Honduras bean, Brazilian, and Colombian mix. But the main the main uh, bean in it would be Brazilian, uh, which gives it that hazelnut lovely aftertaste and the Loring Roaster then gives it the real cleanness there's no there's no lingering aftertaste or that smoky feeling you know it, it, it's a really good clean cup of coffee and as I say we also do single origin Guatemalan which is you know a, a lovely coffee lovely smooth coffee with like a wee citrus after effect and then the later the later roasted coffee that won bronze and blast and dingle this year is our fine and rare now it, it's quite an ex- expensive single origin Peruvian coffee but there's lovely, you know, there's lovely mouthfeel, citrusy, and probably appeals to a lot of the modern, light, lighter roasted coffees, you know. And and uh, we were very happy with how it done at Dingle, you know. And uh, something that people may not think about whenever it comes to coffee beans is how the terroir, the ground in which it, they come out of, um, or like the plant is grown in, how that affects the flavour. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we, we also roast, uh, there's two different types of coffee beans in Arabica and our Robusta, and we, we roast 100% Robusta coffee, we, we call it Bro Plus, but it's it would be a, a like a higher caffeinated, and, you know, in our display today, with, with the two beans sitting beside each other, which shows, you know, this, you know there's a slight difference in size, and, and when you roast them, you get a, a, a you know, 
people like our Vietnamese coffee, which is 100% robusta. People expect robusta to be that wee bit bitter, but the way we roasted it doesn't have that bitterness in it. You know, it's a really, it's a really, you have to be in the mood for it, but it's, it's a good strong cup of coffee. We also use a Swiss water decaf, which is, you know, a natural, a more natural way to decaffeinate a coffee, which the reckons, you know, better for you. You know, I love the way you have all this passion for the the subject and coffee and and the beans and everything for somebody that didn't drink coffee like a number of years ago. Do you think the reason you didn't drink coffee back then was because it wasn't good coffee, it wasn't nice coffee that was available to you? It was probably my granda giving me camp coffee all them years ago. (laughs) The camp coffee essence, uh, you know, stirred in the cup. But uh, it was probably an educational thing. You know, we didn't, like I only drink black coffee, I only drink black tea. I I like stuff in its purest form. And and actually, when the more you get into it, you know... uh, the more you study it and the more you get into it, you know, it, it is definitely a, a changing market. It's a very interesting market. It's a very competitive market. But it, it's trying to keep the quality every time, every cup, you know. So. Where can people get it? Uh, is it business to business or do you do yeah, business we, we, to consumer? We do a lot of business to business, but we're also in, in artisan coffee shops. We, we have, you know, retail partners that are that are selling it and being the cup uh, go offering. We also have, you know, some local restaurants. And we have, you know, coffee shops, bespoke coffee shops and stuff. But we're, we're, we're emerging more, trying to get into more retail sites. We see the at-home market now being a main focus. And we never really focused on it heavily enough. And it was only last February when uh, we started to sell online and stuff. But we've seen a, you know, we've seen a, a, a need for it there. And the more we look at the coffee market, there is a lot of choice out there, but there's, there's, there's people are, are looking for a different cup of coffee. They're looking for a, something different in the house. And, and they do see it as a luxury in-home, and it's not, you know, a, a 250 gram bag will make you 10, 11, 12 cups of coffee at home. Whereas, you know, you're maybe paying the price you'd pay for two in a hospitality, which, which is, you know, nobody wants to see the hospitality suffering, but we have found we've had the change to adapt, you know, to the market, and it is, you know, it would be great to see it all coming back to, to, you know, completing the circle again. But it is, it is a hard fight at the minute, you know. Well, tell me a bit about the name then. It's B R O. Is that a father on it? Yeah, uh, Bro Bro was an old uh, grinding stone. It's a top grinding stone that would have been on the Moorn Mountains and it, it, on Millstone Mountain below the Slave Donard, which we grew up there. You know, where we live very local to it. Uh, the top grindstone was called a bro and that's where it came from uh, and the, 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 my, my wife's maiden name was also Bre- Brenda Rossino her so it just fit it you know and we just we just thought it was a nice a nice fit and because the, the local farmers all it was like a co-op they all gathered years ago at that at that place and they all ground together and they worked together to crush the corn it was it, it's just you know coffee's you know the most important things in coffee is the grind getting the grind right so bro was a natural fit for that you know fantastic well, listen, a brilliant story love the story behind the name if anybody wants to go online to find out more of what's your web address it's just www.brocoffee.co.uk brilliant michael thank you so much for talking to me thank today you, best of luck with the day thank you Hi, uh, my name is Michelle Wilson from Crawford's Rock Seaweed Company. A very interesting company. 
So tell me about the product range and what was the inspiration for it? Well, basically the inspiration was uh, my husband's father always foraged for seaweed. He had kelp rights on the shore, historically used for agriculture purposes, and um, his family always ate seaweed. I myself have a degree in dementia studies and have a long uh, career in the health service, 25 years. Uh, was coming towards retirement, started up my seaweed business, and I'm very interested between the link between low B12 and memory loss. So I'm really interested in the properties of seaweed and how good it is for your health and well-being. Uh, my product range includes salts and seasonings. I have a peppermint kombu tea. We do a little seaweed bath. Uh, seaweed bathing has been clinically proven to reduce body stress. And we also do some sea truffle salad toppers and a little range of other products for beauty. So seaweed has really come into the public forum in the in recent years because of the health benefits. Um, like I was reared on dulse. We would have been eating dulse at this time of the year um, on a regular basis and it would have been available in my, my dad's fruit shop. So you were talking about your family, they would have used it in agriculture for fertilizer? Yes, so they would have used it as a natural fertilizer, but also his father also would have gathered schluck of the shore. I think the Irish is Slavic, it's basically it's what the Japanese wrap their sushi in, it's nori, and he would have used that as a mineral boost um, through the winter, uh, full of B12, full of vitamin K, iron, iodine, calcium, magnesium, and he would have actually given that to the local farmers and used that as a mineral boost for their own health. We actually um, forage for a profile of seaweeds. We do forage for nori, but we also forage for bladder rack, serrated rack, dulles, um, a little bit of knotted rack, so a profile of seaweeds. Oh my God, you're blinding me with a whole range of amazing names there. And you're, you're based in Kilkeel. I'm based in Kilkeel, County Down, a place called Derry Oak Harbour. And that, that part of Ireland would be renowned for its clear blue waters. Absolutely, the pristine shores of Crawford's Rock. That's where our logo comes from. Crawford's Rock's a, claggy la a craggy landmark that sits out on the bay at Derry Oak Harbour. And that's where our ancestors would have foraged for the seaweed. Well, let's talk about some of the, the different products that you have here. So you have a seaweed salt, a seaweed seasoning. Would you just use that like you would a normal salt? Yes, so the seaweed salt has won three stars at Great Taste. It is a molden salt with a profile of three seaweeds in it, and we say basically good over everything. Uh, the little whiskey smoked seaweed seasoning with rosemary and garlic is actually smoked over Colerain whiskey and uh, you would use that just on your fish dishes but we also say basically good over everything absolutely and of course much better for you than a table salt yes well the salt is a high-end salt so it's a molden salt and you're getting your vitamins and mineral boost with your profile of seaweeds that's in it and if people want to get their hands on the product, where's the best place for them to go to? Well, they can go online um, at crawfordsrock.co.uk or they can go possibly to high-end delis. We'll have it um, in the south of Ireland. You will get it at Cottage Market Drogheda. You also get it at Slane Castle. And we will be at Gifted this year at the RDS in Dublin. Amazing. And as you say, people can buy online as well. You have an online shop? I have an online shop, yes. And they can buy a variety of products. We also do seaweed for beauty as well. So we'll have like a little bit of carrageen moss uh, for uh, face uh, serum. And we will have seaweed baths online as well. 
Lovely gifts for Christmas. Absolutely. Beautiful gifts for Christmas. And we also have little treasure box done up with some very ornate seashells in them and a little profile of products as well for Christmas. Amazing. Thanks so much for telling me all about it today. Thank you very much. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Next week, I will have two more interviews with producers from Northern Ireland to share with you. And a special thank you to Shauna McGill, Fagan, Jane Guiney and Drew McIver for the invitation to the showcase event. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme. Thanks a million to my guests, Lorraine O'Dwyer, Niall O'Sullivan, Santina Kennedy, Michelle Wilson and Michael Johnston. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!